What's up, youth? It's Pastor Aaron. Stoked for you guys to listen to this message. Check it out. Good Friday. So uh, why do we celebrate Good Friday every year? Why is it a day that, you know, lots of things happen in the Bible. Jesus has a lot of stuff. Like why is today a day that we mark on our calendar, you know, as a church body every year? So, you know, okay, we have a service. I get it. Yeah, Jesus died. You know, okay, we'll talk about it, whatever. But why? Why do we do that? Obviously, we do because of Jesus' death on the, on the cross. But why is that important? It's important because uh, same thing happened to me the other night, Aaron, when I was, like, talking, and it was just, like, I couldn't speak for a minute. I think, I think my, my nose is just trying to kill me. Anyway, um, uh, why? Why is it important that we talk about this stuff? It's because, because of Jesus' death on a cross, because that happened, because Jesus took that sacrifice, took the beating, took the brutal death on a cross for us. Because of that, our sins are covered. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's an important verse to remember tonight as we start to jump into the story of Good Friday. Because of our sins, because we're broken, because we live in a fallen world, we deserve death as a consequence. Actions have consequences, and the consequences of sin, none of us on our own merit could get to heaven on our own. We can never work our way into heaven because we're, we're not perfect. We, we mess, I mess up all the time. You mess up all the time in big ways and little ways. But instead of us having to do it on our own merit, God gave us the gift of eternal life through Christ. Without Jesus' sacrifice, we would end up stuck in the death that we deserve because of our sins. And instead, we can have eternal life in heaven as a result of the grace and the mercy provided um, by Christ's resurrection. And, and honestly, his death on a cross that paid all for our sins. So Good Friday, we're going to jump into the story, but what actually happened on Good Friday? Um, as I was writing this message, I felt like the context of the story, when you read in the Bible about what happened that whole day from the morning to the point when Jesus died on the cross. What happened on that day, the context is really cool because it just shows how much Jesus didn't deserve that death, how God was working in the background of that day, and how Jesus, out of his infinitely deep love for us, took that death that we deserved so that we didn't have to, even though he didn't deserve it and we did. I'm going to be reading mostly out of Matthew tonight, so if you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew uh, 27. I'm starting in verse 1. Um, it says, When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death, and they bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, this is down in verse 11, I'm skipping a little bit around, and the governor asked him, Are you king of the Jews? Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But Jesus gave him no answer, not even to a single charge. So the governor was greatly amazed. Just starting in this day, that like the night before, Rob preached about this in high school, but for middle schoolers, you know, obviously we're in high school last night. Jesus was arrested at the Garden of Gethsemane. Get, guess, guess, Rob, how do you say guess? Gethsemane, Geth, I, yeah, it's a hard word to say when you're on stage. Uh, Gethsemane. Um, Jesus was at the garden and he was arrested. And he's brought before these people, and they're basically like, oh, Jesus, like, you're saying you're king of the Jews. Like, that's blasphemy, because it, they're, they're saying that, oh, you're saying you're God. You're not God. Like, we, we're arresting you. That's not allowed. Um, and basically, he, Jesus could have said, no, I really am God, when he was being questioned by these people that he was basically on trial in front of. He could have been saying, you know, I'm God. Here's all this stuff. Like, I've done these miracles. I've healed these people. I am the son of God, because he was. But instead... Jesus willingly took a punishment that he didn't deserve. 
Jesus sat there and took all the questions and all the stuff, and he could have fought back, and he could have argued back. But instead, and this is just the beginning because he does this throughout the entire day of Good Friday. Instead, he sat there, and he just silently took it because he knew why it was important. He knew that the only way was to die on a cross for our sins. Do you know, do you truly deep down know, whether you don't know Jesus that well or whether you've been following him your whole life, do you really know that God loves you that much, that even when he easily could have avoided pain, when he easily could have avoided punishment, when he easily could have avoided a death on a cross, that instead he willingly did it. And in that choice, in choosing to do it, because he could have chose not to, it was a choice. He chose to die on a cross for our sins. In that choice, he chose you. He chose you in that moment. He said, no, you know what? I'm choosing my love for my son. I'm choosing my love for my daughter, and I'm going to take this sacrifice, take this pain so that they don't have to. Jumping back into verse 15 of Matthew 27, it says, Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. And then in Luke, uh, in Luke, 19, 20, or Luke 23, verse 19, it says Barabbas was a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. So Barabbas is a murderer. He's not a good dude. He deserves to be in prison. Verse 17 of Matthew, Matthew 27, it says, So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? Verse 21, the governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. And Pilate said, why? What evil has he done? Pilate knows that Jesus has done nothing wrong. And the people say, they shout. It says, but they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. Then he released for them Barabbas and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Basically, one prisoner is traditionally released, and Pilate brings Jesus before the crowd and this other guy, Barabbas, and he's like, Jesus has done nothing wrong. They're going to pick Jesus. What, maybe he's thinking they'll pick Jesus. And he's like, which one should I release? And the crowd is like, Barabbas, free Barabbas. And he's like, but Jesus, he, Jesus has done nothing wrong. Jesus is literally perfect. He's blameless. He's the, he does not deserve this. And the people are like, no, we want to pick Barabbas. And Honestly, when I was reading that earlier, I was like, there was some sort of demonic activity going on in that crowd for them to just be saying, we are going to choose to free a murderer over this man who's innocent, over this man who says, just because he says he's God. And their hardened hearts in that moment started to lead to the beginning of the torturing and the crucifixion of Jesus. In verse 26, there's this interesting word. It says, and having scourged Jesus, and having scourged Jesus. Um, in high school, I had a Bible teacher. Um, it was one of my favorite classes I had in high school, um, at my Christian school, um, who really went in depth on what it meant for Jesus to be crucified, for Jesus to be tortured that week. Because I think a lot of times we talk about it, and if you're in high school and you're watching The Passion of the Christ with us tomorrow, they, they, they depict it really well. Um, it shows just how, how horrible and how painful it was. I was doing some research, and this, it was a footnote in my Bible that talked about this. And in my high school class, I remembered, but I was reading about it this morning. And there was an article I found by a professor from Azusa. And this is, not even, this is before Jesus is even on the cross. This is just in the moment once they choose that Jesus is going to get crucified and they're freeing Barabbas. It says he was scourged. And what that means, it says that basically Jesus was flogged with a whip. And this is going to get kind of serious graphic, so if, you, if you're pretty queasy, just buckle up. Um, it says, the flogging covered the area from the shoulders down to the upper legs. And the whip that they would whip Jesus with consisted of several strips of leather. In the middle of the strips were metal balls that hit the skin, causing deep bruising. 
In addition, the sheep bone was attached to the tips of each strip. When the bone of the sheep makes contact with Jesus' skin, it digs into his muscles, tearing out chunks of flesh and exposing his bones beneath. The flogging leaves the skin on Jesus' back in long ribbons. Jesus was brutally beaten. He wasn't just killed. It wasn't quick. It wasn't easy. He wasn't just put on a cross, killed, done. He did it. Jesus was tortured. He was brutalized for your sins. He did that willingly, and he did it lovingly, and he did it for you. Because he loves you so greatly without him, without that sacrifice, without the pain he was enduring that day, we would have ended up in hell. We do not deserve to go to heaven on our own. We deserve nothing. We deserve death. We deserve sin and death. But at the end of the day, we can rejoice. And this day can be called a good Friday because Jesus took our place. Because Jesus took that beating and other beatings and being put on a cross and nailed and nails in his hands and his feet and being mocked and spit. And I'm going to get to that in a second. But he took your place because he loves you so much. He chose you. He was there, and if it was my favorite way that I hear people talk about this that I love to say all the time is that if it was just you, if it was just Gary, if it was just Scarlett, if it was just Aaron or Rob or me or Asa or anyone in this room, if it was literally just you, Jesus would have done the same thing. Jesus would have willingly and lovingly taken that beating, taken that sacrifice, had his body and his flesh literally torn apart just for you because he loves you so much. Jumping back into Scripture, Matthew 27, verse 28. And they stripped him, they stripped Jesus, and they put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. They're mocking him. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. Jesus was mocked, and he was spit on. Have you ever been bullied at school? Have you ever been made fun of? Have you ever even been pushed into like a locker? Jesus understands that, but he understands at times a million. He was physically beat that morning. He was chosen to be crucified and killed for, he didn't do anything wrong. And he was mocked, he was literally spit on. He was treated lesser than dirt. I, I've never been spit on on purpose by someone, but I've seen it in movies and TV shows, and I can tell you that, that is, that's like probably the worst thing you could say to someone is just to spit on them in disgust. Jesus understands what it's like to be bullied and be made fun of, but it's to a greater extent than we can ever even understand. Verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. That's why there's three crosses, typically, when we talk about, when you see pictures of the cross and all that stuff, Jesus was in the middle one, and there's one on his left, one on his right. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him, and when they came to the place that is called the skull, pause, sorry, really quick, I think it's really cool that the place is called the skull. I think that's like a sick place to be, like, it's just cool, cool name. Um, that was a little detour. And when they came to the place that's called the skull, there they crucified him. This is where Jesus was hung on a cross. Nails were hammered into his hands. Nails were hammered into the top of his feet. His feet, they're put together, and there was a nail that went through both of them. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
and they cast lots. The people crucify him, cast lots. Basically, they're gambling, they're playing a game. They're casting lots to divide his garments to see who gets Jesus' shirt, who gets his robe, who gets all this stuff. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he's the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you're king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him saying, this is the king of the Jews. So on top of being spit on and mocked and beat and brutalized, Jesus is hung on a cross. And when he's hanging up there, he's in pain. He's been beaten. He's been, he's been made fun. He's been just treated horribly. He's sitting up there on a cross, bleeding right before his death. And there are people walking by making fun of him. There are people mocking him. There are people cursing him, saying, if you're really God, just come down from that cross. Do it. There's an inscription above his head. It says, this is, this is the king of the Jews. But it's, it's not literal. It's making fun of him. When I was a kid, I, I, I would hear that, and I'd be like, well, yeah, he's king of the Jews, of course. But no, they were making fun of him. That crown of thorns they put on his head, they shoved a crown of thorns onto his head that wasn't pleasant. He's bleeding. Yet at the same time, he's still our almighty forgiving Savior. He's sitting on the cross, and he's saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They know not what they do. And that's a forgiveness, that's a forgiving power that I don't think, I think, well, one, without Christ, we definitely couldn't get there. But I don't know if I, even as a follower of Christ, if I could ever get there personally, if I was in that position where I was being beat and bruised and all this stuff and killed, that I could say, hey, God, would you forgive these people who are doing this to me? God, Jesus never stopped being forgiving. He never stopped being our Savior in that moment, despite all the beating, despite all the stuff he was taking in. Jesus was still all loving. He was still good. He was all powerful and almighty, and he could have stepped off that cross. He could have asked God to send down lightning to smite all the people who were doing this to him. He could have done it himself. But instead, he said, God, would you forgive them? And I think that's, it's beautiful. It just shows the character of our God. Verse 39, this, now I'm going to Luke chapter 23, verse 39. It says, one of the criminals who were hanged, basically one of the, peop one of the people next to him, one of them who was hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. So he's basically saying the same thing everyone else is saying. But the other one rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, we indeed justly, basically saying, we, and this is that we deserve it, for we're receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. So again, the people are mocking him. Literally, <laughs> the guy who's, who's dying next to Jesus is making fun of him. Like, it's crazy. But Jesus, again, he never stops being our Savior. He never stops being our Lord. And one of the criminals next to him basically says, God, would you remember me? He's, he's recognizing that he's God, and he's saying, Jesus, would you remember me? And Jesus says, literally, this very day, you'll be in heaven with me. Again, Jesus, despite all the beating, despite all the whipping and the flogging and the mocking and being made fun of and just basically stepped on and kicked to the curb, despite all of that, he's still God. He's still loving. He's still our Savior. And I'm reminded of that verse that 
used to hang up in the back of our sanctuary, and it says Jesus Christ is the same, ye- God, same yesterday, today, and forever, where God never stops being loving. He never stops being faithful to you. He never stops caring for you, even when you feel like you're super far away from him, even when you feel like, man, God doesn't get this. He never stops doing that. And that's shown right here, where Jesus literally, rightfully, could have just taken revenge on all those people. He could have said to the criminal, you don't deserve it. But no, he said, literally today, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Matthew 27, verse 45. Things are going to get kind of crazy over these next couple verses. It says, now from the sixth hour, so this is 12, it says in the footnote of my Bible, if you're middle school on Wednesday, I said footnotes are important, and they are. Um, um, Now from the sixth hour, so it's 12 p.m. during the day. There was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour, so it's 3 p.m. So all of a sudden in the middle of the day, while Jesus is being crucified, it gets dark. Like, there's darkness that goes over the whole earth. I don't know if it's the whole earth or the area. The Bible doesn't say that, but literally there was darkness over all the land is what it says. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, I'm not going to pretend to know how to pronounce that. Um, but basically he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Verse 50, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook, and the rocks were split. Tomb, the tombs were also opened. Many bodies of the saints who had been fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. And when the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. So Jesus, he's in pain. He's, he's getting real close to death. And he's pushed to the point where even though Jesus knows that God, hasn't, God the Father hasn't forsaken him, even though he knows the future, he knows he's going to walk out of that tomb in a couple days, he says, God, why have you forsaken me? Because of everything he's endured. And then in verse 50, he loudly cries out in his last breath, and he dies. And yet as he's suffering, God is still moving. Like I said earlier, there was a lot of supernatural stuff happening over these, this, this time period where there was darkness, there was an earthquake, rocks were being split, the veil at the temple where they would worship or where the priests were and stuff, the veil was being torn into, the dead are being raised. And I'm not going to pretend to understand what happened at that moment other than the fact that what I do know is that God was using that moment to show the people, hey, Jesus, this is the son of God you're crucifying. God was doing stuff in the background to the point where literally the people who were watching over Jesus, the Roman centurion who was, they were watching over Jesus. They said, oh, wow, this is, never mind, this is the son of God. At least one of them did. God was using that moment to turn someone's heart, to make them realize, hey, this is Jesus and he's Lord. And we know how the story ends. We know that in a couple days, Aaron's going to talk about it on Easter Sunday, that Jesus comes out of that tomb. He triumphs over sin and death. And that's, that's why we, we have the ability to have eternal life in heaven. It's through Christ. But today, we're remembering that sacrifice. Today, we're remembering the pain that Jesus took for us, the death that we deserve that he took, remembering the importance of it. And like I said earlier, it's important to remember it because we deserve that death. Because without Jesus dying on a cross for our sins, we would be in hell. But because of that sacrifice, because he willingly took our place, because he chose us, because he loved us so greatly, 
We have access to that. We have access to eternal life in Christ. We have access to forgiveness. We have access to salvation. We have access to, to become more like him, to be made new. And the way that we as a church body regularly remember that is through communion. So does everyone in here have a little communion cup? Can someone, Harrison, can you throw me one? Um, basically communion, if you've never done it before, you haven't grown up in church. Oh, I dropped it. Um, if you haven't grown up in church, um, basically there's nothing magic about it. It's just some juice and a little cracker. Um, I'm going to read a verse in a second. But the cracker basically, it represents Jesus' body that was broken for us. And the juice represents Jesus' blood that he shed for us on the cross. And don't start taking it yet. I'm going to pray. We're going to take it together. We're going to drink this little juice together. We're going to eat the cracker together. But the reason why we do that, like I said, is because it's important that we remember it. And something that we, as someone on staff here is growing up here, that I'm, we've been encouraged to do is to take communion regularly. Because this, this sacrifice, it's meaningless if we just, well, it's not meaningless, but it's meaningless to us individually if we don't remember it regularly, if we only remember it once a year. As Christians, we are called to live our life in remembrance of that sacrifice, to live our life from the standpoint of Jesus I didn't deserve to live this life I have on my own. I don't deserve to have this family I have on my own. I don't deserve to end up in heaven one day because I, I can't get there on my own. But because of what you did for me, but because you sent your son down to this earth to die for my sins and not just die, but to die a horrible, brutal, painful death, one that was slow and torturous. Because of that, I, I can live. So before we pray, before I we take communion together, I want to encourage you. Let your life be a testimony to that. Start asking God, say, God, would your name be the first on my lips when people ask me, hey, why, do you, why are you different? What's, why, why, why are you able to get through this really depressing season in your life? Hey, what, what, what wakes you up in the morning? What like, makes you tick? When people ask you those questions, I start asking God, God, would you, would your son's name, would you, would God, would Jesus, would the, the, those things be the things that I say that come out of my mouth when people ask me why I live the life I live? Because without it, without that sacrifice on the cross, your lives would be completely different. Mine will be completely different. And I'm so thankful that Jesus took that death for me and for you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, and not just with our words, but we posture our hearts towards you. Thanking you, Jesus, for the death that you died on the cross for our sins, for taking our place, for dying when we deserved it, and you did it, God. I thank you, God, that thank you, God, that you loved us so much that you, you did that for us, Father, and that as a result, we can have life in you. In Matthew 26, verses 26 through 28, it says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. 
and he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So go ahead and take that little cracker, eat it. God, we thank you for breaking your body on the cross for our sins. We thank you, Lord, that you sacrificed that for the, all, the, for all the physical pain you took, for the beating you took for us, God. Go ahead and open up that little cup. Thank you, God, just for the blood that you poured out for us. Thank you, Lord, for the blood that covers all of our sins. Thank you, Lord, that you beat sin and death 2,000 years ago. Thank you, God, that you have made a way for us. I pray, Lord, that both myself and just everyone in this room, Father, that we would truly live our lives in remembrance of that sacrifice, that we would live our lives in remembrance of your death on the cross for our sins, Jesus, that we would truly live for you, that we would be all about you, God, that you would be on the throne of our hearts. We love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Hope you guys got a ton out of that message. I know I did. If you want to connect with us here at The Rock Youth, follow us on Instagram at The Rock Church YTH. Subscribe to us on YouTube or Spotify by searching The Rock YTH or text The Rock Youth MS or The Rock Youth HS to 33222 for texting updates on everything going on at The Rock Youth. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast feed. See you next time.